Number 58, A Wonderful Savior. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. Number 58. wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love. And covers me there with his hand, and covers me there with his hand. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, he taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up and I shall not be moved, he giveth me strength as my day. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand. When clothed in his brightness, transported I rise to meet him in clouds of the sky. His perfect salvation, his wonderful love, I'll shout with the millions on high. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand. Good evening. Tonight I'll be reading from John 3, verses 2 through 6. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Our song before the opening prayer tonight will be number 474. Sweet hour of prayer. We'll sing the first and third verses. Number 474, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. 
that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief. And oft escape the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, thy wings shall my petition bear to him whose truth and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless. And since he bids me seek his face, believe his word and trust his grace. I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we come before you for worship. And we ask, dear Lord, that as we go forth, that you be with us. And that what we do, we do in a manner pleasing unto you. We ask that you be with Tom as he presents the lesson tonight. And allow him to have a ready recollection of that that you have desire for us to learn. Dear Lord, if you will, be with the children as they go to CYC, the group. And that they come back safely and to be back with us. We ask that you be with each and every one of us as we go forth and allow us to clear our minds of the things that go on in the world. We thank you for all that you've given unto us with our country and our freedom. And we ask, dear Lord, that if it be within your will, that you allow that we will continue to worship you in the face of all the other disasters that's going around. Allow us to see the good and the good that we can do. Allow us to act as Christ as we go before the people and that we can tell them of the things that they need to work on. Give us the knowledge, the strength, and the courage to do this. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, would you please mark the invitation song, which will be number 579. The invitation song will be number 579. Our song before the lesson this evening will be number 538, Beyond This Land of Parting. We'll sing all three verses. Will you stand, please? Beyond this land of parting, losing and leaving, far beyond the losses, darkening this, and far beyond the taking and the bereaving, lies the summer land of bliss. Land beyond, so fair and bright, land beyond, where is no night, summer land, God is its light. 
Oh, happy summer land of bliss. Beyond this land of tolling, sowing and reaping, far beyond the shadows, darkening this, and far beyond the sighing, moaning and weeping, lies the summer land of bliss. Land beyond, so fair and bright. Land beyond, where is no night. Summer land, God is its light. Oh, happy summer land of bliss. Beyond this land of waiting, seeking and sighing. Far beyond the sorrows, darkening this. And far beyond the pain and sickness and dying. Lies the summer land of bliss. Land beyond, so fair and bright. Land beyond, where is no night. Summer land, God is his light. Oh, happy summer land of bliss. Be seated, please. Hope everybody is doing good tonight. We uh, have several who are away at the area-wide UTVO, and um, I'm sure we are well represented there. I knew it'd be a smaller crowd tonight, but I'm glad that you're here and so appreciative of you coming back and hearing our evening service. Uh, We're going to talk about Noah's choice. This is our second lesson, and I wanted to give you a different perspective on the ark. Here is the opening of the ark encounter. How many of y'all have been to ark encounter a few. It's well worth your trip up Kentucky area as uh, you head toward Ohio. Um, I think right around Cincinnati they have the the uh, the Creation Museum, so it'd be well, well worth your trip if you want to stay overnight, maybe to see both. And uh, I would recommend it. But I was quite impressed with the Ark Encounter. This is, I believe, the opening day. And I just wanted you to look down the side of that ship to get a perspective of how big it is. Uh, I think it's 150 yards. I'm pulling back a little bit. Now you can see the opening day and all of the people. And still, they are dwarfed by the size of this this huge, huge boat called an ark. So this is a pretty accurate model representation of it. Looking at the story of Noah and him building the ark, last week we looked at... um, that prior to the flood, we have basically two tribes, two main groups of people who have descended, and, uh, but yet their view of God is very different. You may recall last week we talked about there were ten generations and uh, from the creation to Noah, and in that ten generation we have uh, the Sethites and the Cainites. Seth was the third son of Adam and Eve. What we know about Seth is he was more righteous. Uh, They tended to worship and obey God. And from the Sethites, we have two descendants. One was Enoch. You may remember that Enoch walked with God. He was no more. Um, And so what was interesting is because of his obedience to the Lord and his relationship with God and his intimacy with God, God invited him to go home. 
And we also have Noah who descended from the Sethites. I believe that in the Bible in Genesis where it talks about the sons of God, this probably was the Sethite people. Those who affiliated with Seth were more inclined to be obedient and worship God. And then the other group who were descendants of Cain, the Cainites, you know Cain killed his brother. He had a mark put on him and he was sent away into a far land. Basically, uh, they were nomadic people. So they wandered. I believe they came very immoral, and they had beautiful daughters. And those beautiful daughters um, were seen as beautiful by the Sethites. And unfortunately, the, the sons of the Sethites married the daughters of the Canaanites. And so it talks about the daughters of men and the sons of God. I believe that's precisely what's referred to. And F. Lagarde agrees with that uh, in Daily Bible on page 11. If you If you read... The Daily Bible is a great Bible study each day. F. Lagarde writes it in the NIV. And what I like about the Daily Bible is his comments in the gray sections. It sheds a lot of insight on historical events, why things were done certain ways, and certain struggles maybe the characters in the Bible had. So I, I appreciate him talking about some of these events. So we have the Sethites, the Canaanites. So about 1,656 years after the creation of the first man, we see God coming to a conclusion that man has, has fallen into a hopeless moral decline. He's decided to destroy everything that breathes. Now, the reason I have the chosen up here, and I actually am wearing a chosen shirt. Meg got that for me. It's an early Valentine's gift. She got one as well. But I really like the chosen because in the beginning of the chosen uh, whichever series you're watching, uh, episodes, uh, they, they show the fish swimming, they're all gray, and then as they're showing the fish swim in a circle, they change color, and they change direction. And so you may recall the Step in the Water uh, theme song, and I appreciate the fact that the bluefish have, if you'll notice, their tails are pointed a different way, they're swimming a different way, they have chosen to swim upstream against the current, of the other fish, and it sort of indicates God's people are like those bluefish who've said, I'm not going to be like the world. I choose to be different. I choose to be obedient to God, and it doesn't matter if people ridicule me. It doesn't matter if people make fun of me. Even if I'm told I'm different or a Jesus freak, I'm going to obey God. And so why do I use the chosen symbol in a lesson about Noah? Think of Noah as a bluefish. One of the first bluefishes, right, who really was so different. Noah made a choice. Not only was he chosen by God because of his righteous behavior, but he made a choice to be different, swimming against the current. And so I just want to stop here and make a modern-day application. I want you to be the teal color fish, the bluefish, right? I want you to say in your heart, I will continue to follow God. I'll continue to be obedient. I don't care what my neighbors say about me. I don't care what my coworkers say about me. But I want to be obedient like Noah. I want to swim against the current. I want to be different because I am godly. I'm like God. Here, this is what Matthew records in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Listen to what he says about righteousness. Whoever does... The things that God commands and teaches those same commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
Verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow, that must have been a bombshell when Jesus said those words to common lay people who viewed the Pharisees and the scribes as the religious experts. These were the guys that you would go to if you had the Bible question, right? They were the experts in the law. But yet Jesus is saying they had an air of righteousness about them, but it wasn't humble obedience to God. As a matter of fact, when when the true Messiah came into their presence, they hated him. They did not fall down and worship him. Um, well, maybe one exception in John 3. We know that someone came to Jesus at night and learned about the new birth, right? So he was a righteous scribe, uh, a righteous Pharisee, rather, but most of the Pharisees, most of the scribes rejected Jesus Christ, and they fell short of attaining heaven, and they lacked faith, they lacked obedience, and they hated Jesus. It was ultimately that same group who plotted his own death. So let us choose to be different. Now, I want to talk about Noah. Last week, we looked at Noah. He found favor, and his favor that was in God's eyes was because he made a righteous choice. He chose to be different. And so I just wanted to encourage each of you to think about Noah and your modern-day life. It is so unique to see someone who chooses to be pure in an impure world. In this morning's Bible class, Stacy led us in a real interesting discussion about people that are pushing alternate lifestyles, gender changes, people who are living with each other in a homosexual relationship. And what does most of the world do in this case? You go, you go, you have a right to, um, to make that choice. And oh, by the way, we're going to make you a protected class, right? And we're going to prohibit hate speech, anything said against this lifestyle. And you see, when we choose to be pure in an impure world, with kindness and love, we teach the word of God, and it's rejected by most men. It's rejected by most women who are of the world. And so we're hated uh, and often persecuted. And we're seeing this play out uh, in, in our society, where people who stand on the word of God are thrust into the media spotlight and they're crucified figuratively for their choices to be godly. So church, don't be ashamed of God. Don't be ashamed of God's word. Stand on the word of God. Be like Noah and choose to be pure. Choose to be righteous and holy. Now I thought this was interesting as we introduce Noah's second choice tonight. In Genesis 5.32, the Bible says Noah was 500 years old, then he became a father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I'm like, wow, can you imagine? I mean, it would be unheard of to see a 100-year-old man father children in our society. He was 500 years old. I think that says something about the purity of bloodlines, uh, the purity of people in general, the, maybe the the... The food, the minerals, the lack of carcinogens in their body, a lot of those impurities exist today. But for whatever reason, back then, around the time of Methuselah and others, various people who are very old, Enoch and Noah, 
They lived a long time, and so when you're 500 years old, you can still procreate. That's pretty amazing. So here is this 500-year-old guy who has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. As they grow older and become strapping young men as they get married, we see that God comes to Noah with a very unusual command. So tonight we want to study just for a few minutes Noah choosing to be obedient. And I want you to resolve tonight as you hear this lesson, I want to be like Noah when it's inconvenient, when it may not make sense to me, let me be obedient to God. Uh, I'm not always promised to understand these commands. I'll face opposition and ridicule, but let me be obedient, just as Noah chose to be obedient. So we talked about him being righteous last week and a holy person who stood out. Tonight, we're going to see Noah being obedient. So we'll sort of bring it down to the simplest concept. He met with the Lord. The Lord commanded what he was to do. He told his family about it, and then he picked up the tools, and he began to build. All right, turn to Genesis 6. Genesis 6, we're going to begin in verse 13. God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, covered inside and out with pitch. This is how are you to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark. Finish it to a cubit above. Set the door on the ark on its side. And make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives, with you. And then he goes on and he talks more about bringing two of each animal, more of certain animals, that will be sacrificed and and, uh, used to worship the Lord. So let's just summarize some of the things that he was told to do. First of all, the Lord, the great architect and builder himself, to build an ark. You know, Noah might have said, okay, Lord, what's what's an ark? Help me understand. It's a big boat, Noah. And uh, build it out of a certain wood. Go for wood. Some people think that that's cypress. That's probably a good choice. I did look at Smith Bible Dictionary. So gopher could be any resinous wood. It's got a lot of resin in it. Um, it could be pine, fir, or cypress. Cypress is a good choice. It's a very durable wood. There's actually been some discussion. I was not aware of this, that it might have been gopher, maybe a mistranslation by a scribe. So basically, it could read possibly... Uh, make it out of a pitched material and then cover it with a suitable wood. So it could, have, it could really mean, I want you to make it pitched inside and out, out of wood. So cover that wood with a tar-like substance to make it waterproof. It's not really important. Here's what's important. God, the wonderful and perfect architect and builder, tells Noah, here's what I want you to build. Build it at these dimensions And we've learned later, subsequently, that the Navy said those are perfect dimensions. It's called the golden ratio for ships to make them the most stable 
in unstable waters, in rough seas or waves, it is less likely than any other dimension to capsize. Isn't that amazing that God told Noah to build it, the golden ratio, which the Navy and all of its research and its science has said, yeah, those are the perfect dimensions. By the way, I took 300 cubits. A cubit is 18 inches long. It's basically the distance of the average man's elbow to his index finger, fingertip, 18 inches. And if you multiply 300 times 18, that will tell you uh, how many inches. Then I took those inches, divided them by 36. It came out to exactly 150 yards. Isn't that amazing? 150, about a football field and a half long, big, big boat, 50 cubits wide. He told them to make rooms in it, to put pitch on the inside and outside, to build a roof, and include a door on the side. So here's a thought in our um, lesson on Noah tonight, and that is that when you trust God, you are trusting the perfect architect, the perfect planner of all things, the creator of the universe. So let me give you some examples of God as the perfect architect and planner and why it's wise to obey him. First of all, he gave Noah all of the detailed instructions on the ark. Shem, Ham, and Japheth, who helped him build it, had some plans. Don't know if God laid paper down, parchment, with all the details, or if he gave Noah detailed instructions and Noah drew it. But we know exactly the plans for building this ark with various floors and rooms. He later tells God's people and chose very talented craftsmen to build the tabernacle. Now, when you read in the Old Testament all of the instructions on the fabrication of the tabernacle down to the minute detail, you will see that God very quickly is a detail-oriented God. He gives all the directions about how to assemble, disassemble, how to carry everything, what went inside the tabernacle, how to worship him, and all the articles of worship. God also designed the priesthood, who would be chosen from a certain race, um, and what they would wear, what their functions were, very detailed job descriptions. Later we see uh, in the days of Solomon and David, the, the beginning of the temple, the large temple that was beautiful and ornate. Those plans were given to David, but because of David's bloodshed and uh, that he was in a lot of battles and killed a lot of men, that God had David start collecting materials. Uh, and then as David handed that uh, job description of king over to his son Solomon, Solomon now took those detailed instructions and fabricated the temple according to God's plans. So it's just amazing how we see God over the history of mankind. God is the architect of the plan of salvation, who sent himself, God in the flesh, the Son, to tell us about the Father and his love. And ultimately, God gave himself on the cross, and his plan was to save anyone who believed in him, who called upon his name and believed in the Son, and realized that they were cleansed through the blood of the Lamb of God. It's such a beautiful story as it unfolds, as God is involved intimately in the lives of people who can choose to be obedient or who can choose to be disobedient. Church, I'm proud of you and want you to continue to be obedient people. So in a, in a nutshell, basically,
God says to Noah, because of my covenant that I have with you, I'll bring these living animals onto the ark. You build it. I'll make the animals come. Uh, I want you to store food on the ark for yourselves and for the animals. And this ark, this large boat, will be a vessel that delivers you safely through the flood. And it's just an amazing story. I, I just I can't imagine Noah as he's sharing this with his wife and his sons, telling him, this is what God has instructed me to do, and that's what we're going to do. What I find really amazing in verse 21, it says that, uh, I'm sorry, in 22, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. So tonight, in the remaining time, I just want to sort of make some observations about Noah. Then he was getting into this building phase, uh, preparing for this event uh, some theorize, and I was talking to the, about this with one of our members, that there's a possibility there had never been a flood so far in these ten generations of mankind, right? Imagine that. There's going to be a, what did you say, Lord? A flood? What does that mean? It means there's going to be a lot of water on the earth, Noah. So much water that it, this water will completely cover the earth. The only thing that will save you is this ark, this vessel that you'll build and create for your family and the animals that I send to it. If you will obey me, it will result in your salvation. Such an interesting story. It's possible that the earth had been watered by heavy dew or mist. We know that the initial part of the garden, this is how the garden was watered by a heavy mist that came out of the ground. However, when the event of the flood came, there was a cataclysmic series of events on earth that happened that had never happened up until this time. The deep, basically the ocean, opened up and water gushed out from underneath the ocean. The heavens, where the water was stored in the heavens, flooded the earth and so it rained for 40 days, 40 nights, completely covered the earth. Everything that breathed air died unless it was on the ark. So let's do some observations. First, Noah obeyed God. That's important. No matter how unbelievable those instructions may have been to him, it may have sounded absurd these things you're describing, Lord, I've never seen, never heard about. They've never occurred in my life or anyone else's. By the way, Lord, I'm 500 years old. I've been around the block a few times. I've seen things happen. And yet Noah obeyed. He was righteous and he was obedient. And his obedience resulted in salvation. Great lesson for us today. If we obey the commands of God, if we are faithful, then we will also be saved. In Genesis 7, 6, we see that Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came upon the earth. Noah, his sons, his wife, his son's wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Noah was obedient. Now, here's something I thought was interesting about Noah on the obedient side of his life. Not only was he obedient, and that's quite remarkable in itself, but he was a wonderful leader. He was a spiritual leader. Notice that it wasn't just Noah who obeyed, but his three sons, his three daughter-in-laws. And his wife said, Noah, we know you to be a man of God. 
We believe you. We see how you're sacrificing and you're doing all of the things that God commanded you. And because of your obedience, we too choose to obey. He was a great spiritual leader. So moms and dads, I can't stress this enough. Men, be the spiritual leader in your home. Be the kind of man that your boys and your daughter want to grow up and be like. Show them a person who fears the Lord and is obedient to the Lord and is ultimately blessed by the Lord. You could save your family by being an obedient spiritual leader, and your family will follow. Continue to pray about that, especially when your children are young, while you have a chance to influence them. Now I want to talk about practical thing. Noah's built the ark. All the animals have come and boarded the ark, caused by God. They're sitting inside this ark that's covered with pitch on the inside, pitch on the outside. They're all sitting, they're waiting, the animals are there. And Noah's thinking, hmm, now that we're all inside here, we still have a big door on the ark. Who's going to close that? There was no provision, no instruction for how we're going to close this door. And if I'm not mistaken, the Lord said, it's going to start raining. How is that going to work out? Well, the Bible has an answer for that in Genesis 7 and verse 16. And those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Important point, important application here. As God commands you to do something, you're going down this journey, this path of obedience. You may say, well, has God thought about this? Or what about this? Or I don't understand. I'm not going any further until I get all the details. No, God says, trust me. I'll take care of whatever you face in the future. Be obedient. Be obedient. First and foremost, I'll handle the details. Sure enough, here's Noah sitting in the ark. Here's all the animals sitting in the ark. His family sitting in the ark. All the food, preparations, fresh water, everything they need is there. And all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord begins to close this huge door. And probably it gets water sealed, pitched on the outside. The hand of God closes the door And so they begin the new journey of their new life. And these terrible events begin to happen. Maybe there's a little viewing window on the roof where he can step out and look down. Noah, Noah, we believe you now. It's raining. It's rained for a long time. We we believe you, Noah. But then the ark begins to rise and people begin to drown. There are no more voices. It's too late. They didn't believe God. They didn't remember. And so I want to close tonight kind of on a sad note, and that is that just as there were wicked people who were disobedient in the days of Noah, there are wicked people today who are also disobedient. They don't believe in God. They laugh at God, and they mock Christians. But we're going to spend just a few minutes as we close our lesson tonight looking at 1 Peter 3.20. Turn there first, and we're going to 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's remember the fate of the wicked who laughed at God, who mocked Noah, and thought he was insane. But let's find out how God handles sinful people. I'm going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 first, and then the lesson will be yours. 
1 Peter 3, we'll start with verse 20. This is talking about spirits that are in prison. Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Those who believed, those who were obedient, those who were righteous were saved. But the wicked who mocked God were destroyed. What is God's plan for saving people Today, here's his plan. You ready? Verse 21, go back a little bit to 20. There were eight persons. They were brought safely through the water. Then Peter writes, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not removing dirt from the body, washing the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is how we save people today. We don't build an ark. We build a life around obedience to God. And we tell other people about God's plan of redemption, how God wants to save mankind. Confess his name. Be obedient. Repent. Leave the old lifestyle. Become a new man who's crucified himself to God. Let God raise a new man who is now spiritual and led by the Spirit. Be washed in the waters of cleansing blood symbolically and have your sins washed away. Confess that name of Jesus and you will be saved if you remain faithful and obedient. But yet the world laughs. You do what? You think that's going to save you by getting in water? How ridiculous. That's an old wives' tale, a myth. The flood? We don't even know the flood happened, they say. And they laugh at God. But they won't laugh on the day of judgment. Now we'll turn to Second Peter. We're going to turn to chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. I want to talk about evil people as we close, those who reject the message of God. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Short line here. Where is your God who's going to save you now? We don't see him. We haven't heard him. He hasn't intervened or done anything for us. Nothing has changed. For they deliberately, verse 5, overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water, and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water. And perished, the flood came, and it killed all those wicked people back then. Verse 7, by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. 
But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the day, with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord's not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And then verse 10, Peter talks about the day coming like a thief. It'll suddenly be upon us and it'll be too late. So church, as I close tonight, I just want to say to you, continue to be obedient, obey God, trust God, and tell others perhaps you can snatch some from the fire before it's too late. But the day will come when we don't expect. So be ready, be prepared, be obedient, and continue to talk about that ark of water, that body of water that will save us. Genesis 8.1 is the last slide tonight. It says, God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided, just as God had promised an obedient and faithful Noah that he would be saved. We see the end of the flood and the ark comes to rest on Mount Ararat. Livestock continues to live and breathe. His family continues to live and breathe. And from Shem, Ham, and Japheth, we see the earth once again repopulated. What a great story. I never grow tired of Noah and the ark. Next week, we're going to talk about our final lesson, and that is the attributes of Noah and how he made a choice to obey God. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this lesson, and I hope it's caused you to think a little about being prepared to meet the Lord and telling the world what they can do to be saved. The invitation's yours tonight. If you need to respond or if you want to come to us and ask for prayers or for yourself or someone, we'll be happy to do that as we sing our invitation song. We're going to ask Howard to come and lead us at this time. Let's stand together while Howard leads us. Who will follow Jesus standing for the ride? Holding up his banner in the thickest fight, listening for his orders, ready to obey. Who will follow Jesus, serving him today? Who will follow Jesus, who will make reply? I am on the Lord's side, Master, here am I. Who will follow Jesus, who will make reply? I am on the Lord's side. Master, here am I. Who will follow Jesus in life's busy ways? Working for the Master, giving Him the praise. Earnest in the vineyard, honoring His laws. Faithful to His counsel, watchful for His cause. Who will follow Jesus? Who will make reply? I am on the Lord's side. Master, here am I. Who will follow Jesus? Who will make reply? I am on the Lord's side. Master, here am I. Who will follow Jesus in his work of love? Leading others to him, lifting prayers above. Courage, faithful servant, in his word we see. On our side forever will the Savior be. Who will follow Jesus? Who will make reply? I am on the Lord's side. Master, here am I. 
who will follow Jesus, who will make reply, I am on the Lord's side, Master, here am I. If there are any here tonight who have not had an opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper, it's prepared in room one for you. At this time, you can go there. Our closing song will be number 264. Number 264, Christ for the world we sing. We'll sing the first and third verses. Christ for the world we sing. Christ for the world we sing, the world to Christ we bring, with loving zeal, the poor and them that mourn, the faint and overborn, sin sick and sorrow worn, whom Christ doth heal. Christ for the world we sing, the world to Christ we bring, with one accord, with us the work to share, with us reproach to dare, with us the cross to bear, for Christ our Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day, and we thank you for the opportunity we had to gather tonight and study a portion of your word. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that you will be with each one of us, that we'll take the lesson that we've heard tonight, that we will be like Noah, that we will be obedient to your word as he was. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that each one of us will read and study your word and apply it to our lives that we will be the examples that you would have us to be that we would follow your will uh, your plan of salvation that we can someday spend eternity in heaven with you Heavenly father we just thank you so much that you was willing to come to this earth and live among men and die a cruel death on the cross that we can have a home in heaven thee someday if we're found faithful Heavenly Father, we know we have many on our prayer list here, and you know each and every one of their needs. We just ask you to please be with them and heal them if it be your will. Heavenly Father, we know that there are grieving over loss of loved ones, of loss of family members. We just pray that you will comfort them as only you can, that they can look to you and you give them the comfort and the strength in the days ahead. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for... Again, the opportunity we've had to come together tonight and study from your word. We just pray that this will, that we'll be edified. And Heavenly Father, that we will go out into the world and we can be a shining light for you. Just please forgive us where we fail you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.